The promise of adventure drives every RV journey. For those of you looking to launch life's journeys, I welcome all of you to the Where's Willie podcast, powered by Heartland RV, a leading manufacturer of towable recreational vehicles in the United States. Heartland RV manufactures over 15 brands of fifth wheels, travel trailers, and toy haulers. Heartland RV brands are sold through an independent network of dealers throughout the United States and Canada. No matter how many miles you travel, we all have a story to share about our journey. I'm excited for all of you to learn about today's guest and their life's journey. Hey everybody, welcome to the Where's Willie podcast. Today is a very special day because I have Jason and Abby Epperson, the Walter Cronkite and Barbara Walters of National Parks, RV Industry News. In addition, simply two amazing parents and two amazing human beings who I have not physically met. And when I do, as long as they're okay with it with COVID, I'm giving them the biggest hugs. They wear their heart on their sleeve. Their passion is building a community and it's growing through the gills. So seriously, if you want the latest news, you need to follow RV Miles on YouTube, Instagram, and again, their ridiculously fast-growing community on Facebook. In addition, they have two additional podcast series as well, America's National Parks and See America Podcasts. So welcome both of you to the Where's Willie podcast. Through our friendship and me bothering you guys all the time on your life's journey, we've kind of outlined some topics that I think would be really good to talk about, which include your own journey as full-time RVers and parents of three beautiful boys that all get along, the RV industry (laughs) as a whole, national parks, what the hell is going on with them, digital publishing, which I know nothing about, and if anything else comes up in our discussion. So... Again, for the context of everybody listening, you guys have, from when I first met you to now your partnership with people like Damian Ross, Rootless Living, you guys are exploding, the community is growing. What I love about it is you guys don't have any agenda towards anything other than the voice of the people within your community. That's why I have clung to you guys. I love that beautiful pioneer behind you. And I had said on the record in this recording, if that ever changes, it doesn't matter. I love you guys. And you guys have given me more than I've given you. So why don't we start out for both of you? When did your journey start as full-time RVers when you left Chicago? Where is it today? And is this something that you see continuing? Well, first, thank you so much for having us today. We're so thrilled to be here and to be on your podcast. This has already been a ton of fun even before recording started. So Jason and I, as you mentioned, we are full-time RVers. We started on the road. It'll be five years in August. And we did. We came from Chicago. We had been working in Chicago theater and had built a career where we could travel. And we thought rather than waiting for our kids to grow older and and move out. Why don't we do it now and do it with them? And we actually started our journey in a converted school bus. We bought a 2002 Thomas school bus that we completely gutted, turned into our home on wheels. We called it Wanderbus. 
and we kicked out on the road. This lovely pioneer that you mentioned, we <laughs> moved into about two years ago. And we, while on the road, developed the whole RV Miles network that you so lovingly laid out just a few minutes ago. That was really born from being on the road and having all these amazing experiences and having all these trials as well and wanting to talk about what that's like to be a full-time RVer or to just be someone interested in the RV lifestyle. And then from there, oh boy, things just started rolling. We went from originally starting RV Miles, which is about to celebrate its 200th episode here in a few weeks. And then we moved into the national park sphere, which felt very natural because part of our reason for getting on the road and road schooling, as we call it with our boys, was to show them our national parks, to show okay. them environments outside of the urban life. We started the America's National Parks podcast. Then we started going to some really cool, like kitschy road trip destinations. So we thought, hey, why not do a third podcast? We got nothing else going on. <laughs> yeah, right. And we started See America. And then COVID hit and this became the way for so many people to travel and to hold on to something that they really valued. And our business, RV Miles, you know, everything from there just started to snowball in this really beautiful way. You know, we started noticing a need for news. So we do a weekly news video on YouTube and on the podcast. We decided from there, we really wanted to foster community and to learn more about the people who are taking these amazing RV adventures, you know? So that's kind of how all of this has happened. It's been very, very organic. We've never had a business plan. No. Yeah. You know, the, the, the original <laughs> idea was that so we, we were running this performing arts news publication in Chicago. Okay. And that was our, basically our full-time job. And because it was a website, it was a 30 year old newspaper that didn't make the digital transition. And we picked it up and we're running like niche industry news about Chicago theater. And when we hit the road, we were going to bring that to other cities. And we had already done it to Kansas City and we were going to bring it to some other cities. And then we sort of felt this need for like something similar in the RV sphere. So we built the RV Miles website as a place for RV news and information, not intending to like inject ourselves really into that no. very much. And we had this entirely separate social media called Our Wandering Family, which is still our personal social media. That's like where we post like, you know, the more personal stuff about our travels. Like our Stuart Smalley of <laughs> social media. <laughs> but we were really learning about travel from podcasts because, you know, podcasts are so great while you're driving down the road. And it really got us thinking about doing one. And when we started doing it, sort of all those worlds merged and people liked our journey. It's all a little confusing, but we've now grown this RV Miles brand. And, and thankfully, we're so fortunate that we had this and this boom in, in RV and travel and road trips is happening because the theater world is hurting really hard right now. And our performing arts publication is kind of dead in the water. It's a blessing. A lot of people had it much worse than us. And it's allowed us to focus on this and really turn it into something. And we've been really thrilled with the growth over uh, particularly the last year and a half. We do wish it came about in a different way, though. Yeah. It's unfortunate that it had to come due to a pandemic. And, you know, we look forward to the theater community coming back soon because we absolutely miss having that as, you know, just in the world in general. But we have been really fortunate. We don't take that for granted that 
we've been really lucky this last year or so. Sure. Sure. And just, you know, the one thing that you guys hit on to that I notice is with podcasts, you know, we talk about or we hear, you know, all the marketing gurus about niche, niche, niche. But really, when people are tuning in, they specifically want one topic. So the one thing that I like that you guys have done, even though it's a tremendous amount of work, is you have three podcasts. So just again, for everybody listening, if we were to give them a one sentence description of what each is, if you would just kind of outline RV Miles, what is the National Parks podcast specifically about, and then See America podcast, just so everybody can know what niche or what flavor they want to tune into. So they're all weekly shows. And RV Miles is sort of more discussion based. It's us sitting around for like 45 minutes to an hour and talking about a whole lot of different things. It's sort of news magazine style, right? So we move between talking about maybe a few news stories, something interesting that came up, and then talking about our travels where we've been or some tips and tricks for RVing. You know, it's always kind of a, a bit of a hodgepodge. We interject a lot of our own like personal yeah. lives. And then, you know, sometimes we venture outside of the RV world and talk about things that, you know, are impacting us or are, you know, we do this segment called Fresh Tank, Black Tank each week and we give something a fresh tank <laughs> and we give something a black tank. And sometimes those are things that are outside the RV sphere, but you know, they're things that are important to us. So we, we talk about it. That's way more than one sentence, but the whole idea is just sort of like, you know, it's like listening to a radio show that you might've listened to 20 sure. years ago, but <laughs> the national parks and the sea America podcasts are both like 10 to 15 minutes long each. And those are totally different. They're narrative podcasts. So they're like scripted storytelling okay. stuff. So we're telling the stories of national parks and the national parks podcast and telling the stories of like, other cool American destinations in the Sea America podcast. And you know, it could be the people, it could be the history, it could be a um, review. Yeah, review sometimes in the wildlife, whatever it is, it's different every week. Okay, awesome. Obviously, through our relationship, we're all tied to you as owners of an RV, we as makers, but then in between, there's another party or a group called dealers. And then through in this, there's also RV servicing, which I don't want to get into. There's always opportunities. <laughs> this can quickly turn into your podcast with RV Miles. So I guess just if we make the transition, we recognize the RV industry for what it is. You know, we are at a crazy time where now everybody thinks it's cool because what was humbling for me is to actually start meeting people that say, wait, you know, the Eppersons, like we follow the RV Miles. We want to be them. So like, I don't know if that's a, you know, a feather in your cap, but I think it's pretty cool when people say, Hey, I want to be like Willie. I'm not there yet. I haven't earned your rank, but to start really hearing people, because now I think that with this pandemic and this whole working remote is okay. Corporate America didn't fall apart. People can log in with a remote key and actually work, especially like administrative, financial accounting. So now people say, hey, we can do this easily now. I guess, what would you say then, because you guys did this before it was sexy, before it was mainstream, before the pandemic, for people that want to embrace this life, it's not a get rich quick scheme. It's not a, yep, I'm going to be an influencer and I'm going to be like RV Miles and make millions just because we live in a box on wheels. Mm -hmm. So can you just kind of, I guess, talk about for those listening that, you know, as they tune into you and think, hey, I want to live like RV Miles. What is the good and what is maybe the black tank of full-time living on the road as you guys continue your journey? Well, one of the things that we always say is, or we always suggest or remind people is that Instagram is very curated and do not base your RV full-time life off of what you see on Instagram. 
That is not what it's like. And I spoke pretty openly about this really when we began our journey, because it was a dose of cold water for me, just all like just dumped over my head when we first got on the road, because it wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be, what I had imagined seeing through YouTube, what I had imagined seeing on Instagram, that we were going to have that experience. It is very much, especially if you bring your whole family, your kids, your pets on the road with you, you are raising a family in exactly the same way you would be doing in a sticks and bricks. The only difference is that your home moves. You still have responsibilities. If you're working a full-time job, you're not running off to the national parks to hike every single day. You're not exploring a new town every single day. You have those responsibilities of school to your kids, work and your job, the day-to-day upkeep of just washing dishes and doing laundry. It is very much like the life you will leave behind. And at the same time, it is also very shocking. It includes all that stuff on Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. So if that stuff's curated, yes. So it includes that, but then it's all the other stuff. And so it, it is. it is so much it's so much more similar to living in a house than people realize. And there are as many and very different ways to live in an RV as there are to live in a house. You can live in an RV and be stationary in an RV park that costs you $300 a month. You can spend $150 a night on some beachfront villa campsite, and you can live in a million dollar motor home. There are a whole lot of different ways to live in RVs. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions is like, it's just a heck of a lot cheaper than living in a house. And not anymore. <laughs> um, well, it can be if you want it to be, but you can also live cheaper in a house too. Like yeah. you can go buy a, a small cabin that's the size of an RV and, you know, live out in the middle of nowhere. It, or you can RV live on has, a lake. Yeah. Right. That has nothing to do with it, right? You could live in a small, tiny little apartment. Yes, it's going to be cheaper probably than your $400,000 home if you want it to be, but it really is what you make of it. Yeah. And I think that that's the most important thing. It is what you make of it. And there are going to be some amazing things that you're going to experience. I mean, we've been on the road for five years and I still came in this morning and I said, I just had one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. And I went for a run this morning on the beach with the Atlantic Ocean as my partner. We're in Myrtle Beach right now. Yeah, we're okay. in, and so I went out there this morning. It was so quiet. There weren't a ton of people out there. And I the just helicopters went, weren't out yet. <laughs> weren't out if yet. you hear them, sorry. But you know, <laughs> that was again those tiny little nuggets of a moment that you get that you wouldn't experience, you know, maybe, you know, on a more regular basis if you were stationary. Certainly you would experience them if you went on vacation. But I think it's just really important that you go into this with your eyes wide open and realize that this life can be whatever you want it to be. And that is absolutely okay. You do not have to look like the person in the campsite next to you. Just be you and do you and you're going to have an amazing time. So let's make this transition since I work on behalf of a manufacturer named Heartland, who's also the sponsor of my podcast. The question that I have, not being biased, as you know, 
to your point, specific to the experience in the life. Yep, you want to do that. You accept that there's going to be responsibility. It's not going to be always, you know, Jason running in out of the water and then just putting a headset on. He actually puts in a lot of hours, as do you, Abby. Let's say people say, all right, we're pot committed on the experience. Now it's going to come down to the product. What vehicle are we going to use? When it comes to us as a maker, sometimes the voice of the customer says, None of the brands listen to us. Careful. Yes, we do. What I've learned is this industry is so massive. We can't just pivot. I make the comparison to like, you know, a wave runner. It can turn quickly in the water. A big ship, it takes time to turn around. Mm -hmm. When we have buying power and you buy a long-term partnership with a supplier, whether it's Goodyear tires versus Continental, you know, we have owners that say, oh, why do you have Goodyear? We want to all go to Continental. Well, we just, we don't make a call and say, hey, Five of our campers, they want Continental now, so goodbye, good year. But understanding that you guys, because of your growing community, again, the RV Miles community on Facebook, you hear 10 times more than I do. So if we were to take all of the brands, us, our competitors, and you looked at the sizes, right? You've got toy haulers, you've got fifth wheels, you've got travel trailers. Now all the rage is these single axles because People don't have $90,000 to buy a Tremor F-350, Jason. They got a small <laughs> SUV that only has a towing capacity of 5000 Hey, it's an XLT. We paid I'm like kidding. half of that. <laughs> I just wanted to pick on you. We got that on discount. <laughs> I just wanted to pick on you guys. But, but seriously, no matter yeah. what RV you get, you have to pick the one that's best for you. So when we see, we were talking offline, right? We're seeing solar power surging. These 100-watt solar panels. People just hear it and they think, whoa, 100 watts. Folks, that's enough power to charge your cell phone. Like, yeah. (laughs) So I think there's some knowledge that needs to happen there. But when you guys who have been doing it, again, we're not complaining. We're not talking about our furniture or anything else. But where do you see the future of camping, regardless of its shape and form, in terms of what actual campers that live in these versus we, the makers, and maybe where's that gap of, do we need to consider more about solar? Is it a real thing? Uh, All your knowledge and all the information you're getting on national parks as they're saying, Hey, you got a 44 footer, can't come here. National parks are saying you got to be down under 30 feet. What are you guys seeing out there in terms of the future for RVs? Do you see more travel trailers, a decline in fifth wheels? What are you guys seeing? Well, I guess they'll start there. Everybody on earth is buying trucks, right? And they would be buying more if they were available. But unfortunately, this computer chip problem has like thousands of Ford Super Duties sitting at the Kentucky Speedway waiting for computer chips. But 70% of vehicles sold in 2019 of consumer vehicles were pickup trucks. And we're making this pivot eventually towards electric vehicles. But in the meantime, everybody's buying trucks and they want the electric trucks and all that. And I think trailers are, I'm sure you see this, they're gaining more market share than motorhomes are. I think it has almost entirely to do with that fact. And look, I guess the big issue for us, when we started doing this, well, part of the reason we built this school bus was we would have been in the market for a used vehicle, a used RV, if we didn't do the school bus. And at that time, there wasn't much in terms of bunkhouses that would house three kids. Okay. 
at least in the like it, it had just begun filtering into the manufacturing like they were making bigger bunkhouses well in our price range too, in our price really range too yeah that. you know we were looking to do entry level pricing and there just wasn't anything there and yeah. and now the rver is changed so much the industry realizes it's not just retired couples and it's not just retired couples no. anymore i think people under 55 just this past year started out pacing the 55 and older crowd in yeah. terms of who owns rvs there is no rver demographic it's so many different types of people and i think what we're seeing in the rv industry still is a competition between manufacturers to be the best at doing one thing and that's creating like this specific floor plan that somebody likes at a price that they can afford when i think that what will eventually emerge is this realization there there are lots of different types of RVers that we need to be better about making unique units that fit more needs of individuals instead of the many so for instance like there's a big focus on like how many people does a unit sleep you know it's it's something that's on like every website it's you can like click little check boxes like this, this unit sleeps eight nobody ever sleeps eight people in their rv but that's fine for people who use them heavily we don't care about that and in fact some of the stuff that y'all put into them that makes them sleep more people makes them less useful to us so like if you have two sleeper sofas instead of storage under the underneath those sofas that's a massive difference for us. It's, I think it's, it's a massive things. difference for families too. Yeah, and you know, that's right. something to speak of when we started this, we really did feel as a full-time family that we were kind of in the minority of people doing this lifestyle. And that is most certainly not the case any longer. And I think that's why you're seeing, I think you will see sort of the motorhome like you spoke to maybe not being as popular as it once was and kind of the rise of the travel trailer and the fifth wheel because there are so many more families on the road. And to speak to the storage thing, honestly, grandma and grandpa ain't coming to sleep in my RV, okay? <laughs> my mom and dad are getting a cabin. Like, yeah, they don't right. want to sleep on the sleeper sofa. Well, I, you know, I that's the thing. Like, It, it seems to me like the, there's overall in the industry a race to just have your unit check off as many boxes as possible mm -hmm. for a customer so that they don't decline the sale because it doesn't have an outdoor TV or it doesn't have an outdoor kitchen or it, it doesn't have solar. So there's a race to put in the lowest common denominator of all of those features. Like we're going to have a really cheap outdoor TV. We're going to have a small outdoor kitchen, not to say everybody's doing that, but just we need to add that the customers want that. So we're doing that. And the customers ourselves are just as much as blame to yeah, blame a hundred watt solar panel, you know, that sort of stuff. It's like, well, this has solar, this has, this has your Wi-Fi. this has everything you want. The customers need to know better that that's not all going to be great. I think that's where education is going to play into all of this. So first off, one of the things I think we really need to debunk is that national park campgrounds can only fit size 25 to 28 foot long trailers. We have camped in national park campgrounds all across this country in the school bus and now in our 36 foot, 38 foot trailer. That's happening. In fact, the National Park Service last year put out a call because they want to improve their campgrounds and they wanted to hear from the public what here's what we're looking at. I think we're going to start seeing a more, lack of a better word, big rig friendly 
turn from the National Park Service because of this whole trend with families getting on the road full time. That's an education piece. The consumer needs reliable, true education, not education that's trying to sell something, but just reliable, true education. Because there is, I believe, this mindset that if I leave this dealership with an RV that has 25 amenities more than this other one I looked at, I'm getting a better deal. And that's not always the case. Just because the amenities list is long doesn't mean you actually need all of that. And so there, I think, needs to be this education that the consumer needs to be responsible for in figuring out what kind of RVer they want to be, but then also recognizing that if the manufacturers didn't have to put 75 extras inside this one space and could focus on doing 10 things really, really well, then your whole RVing experience is going to go up a million percent. Well, and, you know, there has to be this expectation. Like we don't, when you buy like a video game system, like you don't expect that to be five years later as the top of the line video game system. So would, an you, iPhone. Would, would you want an <laughs> Xbox installed in your RV, like custom, you know, a box for it. It's mounted in there. And then you know, Xbox comes out with the new Xbox and it's a different size a couple of years later. And you're like, well, I want that now. That's, that's how all the technology like solar, all that sort of stuff that gets thrown into RVs, even just the stereo system. I think it's better if customers look at that as something to be added on by themselves, by the dealer. It's a way for dealers to make money for sure. But then what we need is the RV manufacturers to build these rigs in ways so that it is easier to do that stuff. Like it's easier to mount something to your roof, a new Wi-Fi and the, you know, the new Starlink antenna comes out. <laughs> we want to be able to bolt that to our roof without having to like drill a bunch of holes, drill a hole to run the wires through and run power to it and all that sort of stuff. Every time we want to add a, you know, a TV satellite to a roof, whatever, what if there's a port that in few manufacturers are doing this, that you can open up and, and there's power right there and you can run the wires and all that sort of stuff. I think there are different ways to think about modularity and having a unit be able to accept some of that stuff, like having being pre-wired for solar, as long as those wires are decent. Don't put the solar on, but be pre-wired. That can be a real convenient thing for when you actually go to do the install because the yeah. expensive part is trying to figure out how to run wires through the thing. Well, and I well, think the consumer too needs to understand exactly what a 100-watt solar panel is going to do and you know, not be like, I must have this. Why? Because you need to charge your phone. There's so many other, you know, like there's yeah. so many other ways you can do that. So it's just, again, I think it all just comes down to education and trying to get you know these two entities the consumer well three the consumer the dealer and the manufacturer like sure. trying to get them all in the room together well and the one thing that you guys said that from my seat you know you guys know the context you know offline as far as where i came from so i came in here with a very unbiased approach and i literally came to heartland rv because of our president mr ryan jude now you guys have heard me do like the floor plan videos where I say I'm 6'3", 250. Everybody can see Willie in one. But I never once say that Heartland's the best. Like all brands, there's a lot of improvement that needs to happen. But what you hit on, Jay and Abby, is the truth. 
There is no demographic. That's why brands, plural, have 22 different floor plans. Because to your point, they're trying to hit any kind of said demographic, which we don't even know what that is. What I love that our leadership is doing here now at Heartland, at least striving to focus on, is manufacturing quality. You know, going to Thor Corporate and getting millions of dollars for PDI facilities that are installed now at Heartland, at Cruiser RV, at DRV. That's something in the history of these brands they didn't have. And where I get a little defensive, and it's an opportunity to communicate, but out of sight, out of mind, people go, oh, Thor bought another company. Not necessarily the case. It really comes down to the individual brand ownership. And what I like that Thor has done, at least with us, and why I'm so happy here, is they are working in partner with Mr. Juday and our leadership team. And that's the focus now moving forward for the last 16 months since I've joined. That's all I'm going to say. I hope that it it leads to better quality and things, but we just have to be mindful of what you just said. There is no demographic. There is no floor plan that's going to appease everybody. And what I'm hearing is quit trying to make one or 22 floor plans have 972 options that fits that mold because you won't find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think also to that point with this shift that we're, we're dealing with now, and you might know better than, than me here, but in terms of the issues that manufacturers are having right now producing units because of the, the parts and, and materials, there's been this huge shift towards customer orders, right? And what I'm hearing from the automotive industry is that you know, they're going through that same thing. Automotive dealer lots are half full. And they're saying we might never go back because this is profitable for us because when the customers are ordering their own unit, they're getting exactly what they want and they're actually buying more features than that dealer would have ordered it with in the first place. So I think that's a huge opportunity for the RV industry as well to consider like not so much, not like not giving dealers (laughs) units, but you know, I think we're not going to put the genie back into the bottle. There's going to be, more customer orders going forward forever than there were before. So that's the only thing I'm defensive about and not in a negative way. I appreciate, but my background, I came from advanced automation. So working with companies like Tesla, Intel, Lockheed Martin, it was all robotics. There is zero in the RV industry, any brand. So until that happens, I just don't see because our manual manufacturing process doesn't have that automation. So the reaction time to per piece orders, I just don't see it. That's something that, you know, we can have during our friendship offline. That's just, to me, it's a completely different world. Now I would, I would support that if the RV industry does go to automation, but in my 15 years throughout the world from Japan to Israel, the flight just continues to pass over the greater metropolis of Elkhart area <laughs> of every single brand. So that's the but only hesitation I have. So because of that, because you don't have the yeah. automation, you have to have the volume to justify that buying power for that piece price in the current state of the manufacturing process, in my opinion. Yeah, but I totally understand that. But I think, the unfortunately, it is being driven by outside forces 
yeah. right now, right? You know, and you, you go to a lot of manufacturer websites and it's like, uh, you, you've got like these three different packages that you can throw onto this yep. RV and they're all mandatory. <laughs> so it's like, why do you have them in the first place? But like, right. if the customers can have some choices about just like what type of fridge this comes with. Does it have an absorption fridge or a residential or, yeah. or 12 volt? The floor plan, everything can stay the same. What type, does it have a on-demand water heater or, or not? That type of stuff. I think people are really interested in that level of... Let me ask you this question because, you know, and this isn't on behalf of Heartland, so I don't want, you know, my coworkers to say, Willie, what are you saying? <laughs> Just from the outside looking in as the national brand manager... What if I ever designed one that was just the box, no bed, no mattress, no furniture? It's just you walk in and say, here you go. And then you just add whatever you would want. You think that would sell? (laughs) I mean, as ones who did that, as ones who bought a school bus, gutted it down to just its frame and then stood there and went, okay, what are we going to do with this? And how do we want to do it? We find that very appealing. Now, that said, that's a one and done experience for us. Like we're never gonna go back and do that again. I think if for me, what would be interesting to explore, and maybe manufacturers have explored this, and maybe it's totally not feasible. But for me, as somebody who has like a theater set design background and stuff like that, when I think about like RV design, where I would go personally to try out would be like building a unit, a series of units that have a lot of things standard. Like, you know, there's this huge craze of buying toy haulers. This is why so many people buy toy haulers that don't haul toys in them because they want to build that room out to be what they want it to be, right? second bedroom. But then why is nobody, why is no manufacturer offering, we can give you that as a bedroom, right? And it's got that big, awesome door that pulls down and, and opens up to the world. Like those sorts of, I feel like, you could have like, okay, this RV is pretty much the same, but the this room varies depending on what that dealer orders or what that customer orders. It's a bunk room or it's an office or it's a or it's a bedroom or or this slide varies. Whatever goes into this slide box is different depending on how we want the kitchen set up for for this particular unit. All right, well, Jay, let's not talk about how you guys might be or might not be consultants <laughs> for me, okay, down the road. Well, let's pivot here because I want to make sure we cover, you know, the biggest thing. Obviously, like I said, I love you guys. You're coming on. You guys are exploding. Really, though, the reason is this transition that you guys have talked about from your life in Chicago theater to what you're producing now each week. Again, not coming back from a hike and just putting a headset on. You're putting hours and time into this. Talk about digital publishing. What is it? What is it for people that want to, again, want to be like the RV Miles? Can you guys just kind of talk about digital publishing? And again, like we did with the industry, what are you guys seeing and where do you kind of see that moving? Well, I, I, obviously, the entire world is moving towards digital content. You know, anything that's analog is has fallen down a bit over the few years. Though so there's some great benefit. Like, I mean, I love picking up a book or a newspaper and that sort of stuff. But we're seeing this huge explosion in content creators of all stripes: people that are writing blogs, people that are digital journalists, people that are doing YouTube channels that are as well produced as Hollywood movies. Like there is just this huge shift in the world 
towards the creator. And so it's not so much just digital. That's just the medium that's allowed for it to happen. But you can enter that space in ways that other people have. Yeah. But that is hard to do. But it's also hard to like do your own own unique thing. And so we try to do our own unique thing, but we try to, you know, do things that work as well. But it's really hard to copy what somebody else has done and make it something that works. Yeah. And if I can speak from the social media side, because I handle most of our social media content and I, I that's kind of my area, is that one of the things that I have noticed, or I think one of the things that's really, really important is the difference between being just who you are and being okay with that is who you are and trying to create a narrative that you think people want to see. And for anyone who's looking to do this with digital publishing, be that YouTube, Instagram, shit, you know, Facebook, and wanting to build relationships with brands where you're working in that sphere, it is very, very hard to sustain a narrative that is not true to who you are. And also at the same time, you have to be willing to stand up for the things that you believe in and be okay if there are some people who are not going to follow you after that. Because if you try to continue a narrative that is not true to yourself, you will eventually give yourself away. It's not sustainable. If you try to manufacture an RV that everybody is going to buy, nobody's going to buy it. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. And I think too, that that speaks to for us, one of the things that we went into with this, and I think about almost every single day is building something that outlives Jason and I, that is bigger than what you see behind us and what we do. That's that if I was to come off the road, that my business would still survive. And so I think that that is really, really important in the digital sphere as well. Like you have to think outside of yourself because we have been in a situation when Jason got really sick where we didn't know if our whole lives were going to change. We didn't know if he was going to actually be alive in 48 hours. And so you have that, that was such an eye opener for me because I'm sitting there thinking, A, how can I live without him? B, how will I raise these kids alone? See, what am I going to do for a job to provide? Everything is in a minute can shift. So anything you enter into digital publishing, try to build something that goes beyond you. There used to be this thing where you you go and you work for John Deere, as half of my family did, and you work for them for 35 years and you have a pension and, and that that's your life. And you know, and I think now the average person changes jobs like 10 times over the course of their career, if not more. And for us, a part of what we're doing, you know, a lot of people look at it as something that doesn't seems like it's scary because it's not stable. But part of what we're doing is trying to build stability. It's trying to build something. And that's why we have our fingers in a lot of different pies. And it's not just, there are a lot of YouTubers out there that they've got their YouTube channel and it does really, really well. And they put out their one video a week. And we've had experiences where like with our theater publication, where 90% of our views were coming from Facebook. And when all of a sudden Facebook makes algorithm changes that cuts your revenue in half, it is a weird world, but it, to, to us, it's about building sort of roots, you know, a foundation that wraps around lots of different things that we can always pivot and and shift and, and move things around a bit. And there's something for everybody. If you're not somebody that is, you don't feel personable, you don't feel comfortable in front of a camera. Maybe you feel better 
behind a microphone and you don't have to do a video podcast. You can just do an audio podcast yeah. or maybe you feel more comfortable writing there. Uh, people are craving reading digital content right now. There's tons of it out there and there's this huge issue where a lot of it is terrible and there's this starving need for really good writers to write good brief content that isn't just clickbait SEO stuff. And that's in number one, our focus at rvmiles.com. And then we are getting ready to launch something else that we can't talk about <laughs> yet, but that'll be the focus there as yeah. well. And that is content. And you know, another thing I would say from the visual aspect, drama sells. Yes. Drama sells short term, short term. Yep, it is right. not sustainable. Yep. Okay. If you, yeah. Yes. If you are creating something, every post, every article, every video that just has you living in a, a world of chaos, people are going to burn on that so fast. And that's okay? why and, I love you both because you well, guys are becoming the RV industry celebrities that are real humans. <laughs> oh, and that's why the community is growing because you are you know, authentic. You do want this to, you want to give more than you take. And you guys are proving that. So for everybody listening, I got to make our segue. I'm going to have you guys back on again. I would love to have you come on and share the newest happenings when that is public. I hope that as you guys continue to grow, you don't forget about little old Willie. But I know you won't because you guys have huge hearts. And it has been a blast. You know, as I tell everybody, the Where's Willie podcast is me simply in this industry, sharing the stories of the people that I get to meet as they talk about their life's journey, whatever it is. So that being said, for everybody, again, you have met the Walter Cronkite and Barbara Walters (laughs) of National Parks, the RV industry, Jason and Abby Epperson. If you want more information, go to rvmiles.com. Look up RV Miles on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. They are everywhere. Also follow their other two podcasts, America's National Parks and See America Podcast. Tell them Willie sent you. We love you guys. Continue on your journey. And thank you so much. And we'll have you back on again to give us some more updates. Thank you so much, Willie. It's great to see you. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Where's Willie show. For more information on future shows, please visit Where'sWillyPodcast.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Where's Willie Podcast and on Twitter at Where's Willie P-O-D. Thank you all so much. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.